welcome to the Nobody Asked Our Opinion podcast, a podcast where two distinguished gentlemen talk about all things pop culture. This distinguished gentleman is JJ. And this distinguished gentleman is Jonathan. Jonathan is joining us on the pod today. Because uh, Joanna's at Disneyland. Or Wait, no. She's, she's in she's, she's in tech. tech. She's in tech. She wishes Which, she was in Disneyland, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I, we all wish we were Disneyland. Oh, yeah. She would, I would think, uh, she would rather, definitely be in Disneyland rather than tech, for sure. For sure, for but, sure. But, yeah. Everybody knows that when you're in tech, you cannot do anything extra in your life, including get proposed to in marriage. <laughs> that's a that's a deep cut reference to uh the nbc show smash oh my god that's where ridiculous. where a character a character uh like proposed to his girlfriend and her response wasn't i'll think about it or yes she just said i'm in tech, <laughs> I'm in tech. and he said he no, no. said what does that mean and she said it means i'm in tech and then she ran away. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Tech week is uh, absolute hell for, for actors. And they're like, no, you can't put anything else on my plate. You can't do this. <laughs> so we are uh, joined today by producer Jonathan. Yeah. So get ready for an hour, a full 90 minutes of straight talk. <laughs> this is just going to be straight talk gonna, episode. We're going to... Gonna get this all heterowed up. I'm I'm prepared. I've uh, <laughs> I've 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 watched enough gay shit in the last twenty four hours. I think I'm buffered. <laughs> yeah, you've you've buffered yourself. I've buffered the, myself. I've got the my... energy that I'm bringing to the studio today. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm ready for it. Bring it on, straight boy. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into uh, uh, some of this news shit. And uh, right off the bat, we're starting off gay. Because <laughs> uh, the, yeah, uh, the the latest uh, Jeopardy champ, um, her name is Mattia Roach, and uh, she is uh, making headlines because she's breaking all sorts of Jeopardy records. Yeah, you love to see it. You love to see a smart lady and a smart gay lady. Oh. <laughs> She's a very, uh, and she's coming off of uh, the previous champion's reign, who uh, I believe was, uh, I believe she was a trans woman, or she was either non-binary or non-binary. I can't, I can't recall I forget also, Joanna would remember, and it's it's a shame that she's not here, because uh, she, she also, she really loves uh, weekday network game shows. Oh yeah, she's down for the Jeopardy, she's down for... The Wheel of Fortune. The Wheel of Fortune. Uh, my uh, game show of choice when I was a child was Hollywood Squares. I loved, oh, yeah, absolutely. loved Hollywood Squares. And I wish they would bring that back, but I don't know in what if, they, if they've tried or, or if there's a, a logistics reason why they can't get like nine like C-list celebrities in the same Literally, room. I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't bring it back when like... There was that thing that happened that needed everybody needed to be in a separate box six feet apart from each other. It seemed like it would have been a perfect time to reinstitute Hollywood Squares. Right. You could e- easily be doing that over like a Zoom. Now, or... I mean, with the... You talked last week or the week before about the passing of Gilbert Gottfried, right? Yes. 
Yeah. But like he like he was a big part of Hollywood Squares. Oh my god, yeah. I think was it <clears> was there for I a remember, good chunk? Uh I mean I think he was I don't the clip I saw recently after his passing that was going viral. I don't know if it was going viral, it was just a five minute clip of him trolling the two contestants because <clears throat> he would he would convince them that he knew or didn't know the answer, say it, they'd get it wrong, and he'd say, You fool. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was like a full five minutes because they both needed his square. He was top top right. Um, fair, fair, fair. But yeah, like that was that was uh, I don't know. That's that's why I was thinking of Hollywood Squares recently. But I also really enjoyed it as a kid. I think because it was it was a very easy trivia uh, show. I think it wasn't like Wheel of Fortune as a kid. You have to know all these fucking phrases that uh, kids don't like know because we we're not big into classical literature when you're nine yeah like um, that what what 10 year old kid during the 90s would know like a soda fountain <laughs> like yeah and then jeopardy was also like jeopardy questions like now uh make more sense to me because i'm like they're, they're for me because i'm an adult when i was a kid like i didn't i didn't get all this stuff but hollywood squares was usually uh something something easier oh yeah because it, 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 it wasn't about the trivia it was about the banter with the celebrities and talking to the celebrities and shit like that but if you were big brain yeah, you would be on jeopardy that's where the big brain people go yeah and the big brain uh lgbt people are winning jeopardy and that's that's good it's great it's good for them oh yeah and she's i think on her she's now clinched her top 10 position on like the uh the biggest or longest show uh streaks of all time uh i i I did i pulled up a list of like the longest winning streaks and they are some of them are just like okay so the most recent one was uh amy schneider she was the uh she was a uh i think she was the uh transgender woman she was a transgender woman from oakland and she, her winning streak was 40 games. And she's number two on the list. 40 game streak on Jeopardy is only number two. Our top, top uh, winning, winningest Jeopardy contestant is none other than Ken Jennings. Ken Jennings, yeah. He's the name everybody knows when it comes everybody, to Jeopardy. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Then there was that guy who, like, everybody, he was like a Jeopardy villain, right? Uh, uh, I don't. I mean, I'm not sure if because uh, the list doesn't qualify them as. I think his name was like James or something. Uh, Is he on there? James Haltzhauer? I believe so. Um, I don't know. It doesn't mention him being a villain, <laughs> but he. Well, is... it's just that he he was playing with like a, a strategy that most people like. There's there's like a way to play Jeopardy uh, as a as like a good civilized person where you go down the list from you know I'll take this for 100 200 300 like you right. you go edit. down from top to bottom yeah uh, James Holhauser uh, was like a like a just a trivia buff kind of guy who would go strategically to like I'm gonna take this for 800 I'm gonna take this for 600 you just hop around he was like scouting for the daily doubles. Ah, I see. And then he tried to he tried to hit them, and then like people, uh, I don't know, people people considered him like it's 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 Jeopardy. There's it's a trivia game. It's not like a villain, but like the the way that he plays is has less honor than the people who go from one hundred to two hundred. Yeah. And I'm like, 
he's making Jeopardy exciting at least. Uh, yeah, and he's and but yeah, he, he was thirty two, with... right? And we're on forty, or we're on thir- we're on thirty now, right? For Ooh. like the for the streaks for like um, consecutive one games. What was Ken Jennings' streak? Uh, fucking seventy four games. Okay, yeah, like obliterating and everybody then, else. Amy was forty. Forty. He was like thirty two. He was uh yeah thirty two games and then the previous uh, the he was number four on the list of top top ten winning streaks of Jeopardy and then number five uh, was uh, a lady by the name of um, Julia Collins and she until uh, until um why am I forgetting her name. Amy until Amy Schneider was the uh, the Julia Collins was the uh, longest running uh, had the longest streak for a woman on Jeopardy at tw- uh, yeah. a twenty day twenty day run. So uh, now Mattia has a uh, uh, clenched her uh, spot on the top ten uh, winningest uh, contestants on Jeopardy, and she's also broken records as far as like. The number of like clues, like her accuracy. Um, she's uh, okay. So she's uh, as far as like winning, uh, getting the daily daily double. She's eighty-eight um, percent. Uh, she's gotten eighty-eight yeah, percent. Ninety-three percent clue response accuracy, I believe. Is yeah, what this says. Mm-hmm. And so is she, which is crazy. Like crazy. She's been killing killing the game, and we love to see it. Love to see smart gay people being smart gay people because I think, I mean, I'm a dummy, notorious dummy, but uh, gay people can be smart too. And especially coming off of a, a, you know, a contestant who was, uh, who was trans, having this kind of representation on something like a Jeopardy is Yeah, because it's like Jeopardy is like the most mainstream, like, it's, I mean, I don't know if it, I, 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 I don't sit down and watch Jeopardy every night, but like Jeopardy is very was, much like that was always the, a thing was that uh, the retirement the crowd, peop- <laughs> yeah. Or if you're like Jeopardy would be buff. the thing that people watch, uh, like every night, you know, like it's a it's it's very mainstream to to be on Jeopardy and to have this representation on Jeopardy. I think brings that representation like outward a lot more than if it's like. Uh, on like in other places, like on like a cable show or something. Yeah, if it was like on the game show network or something, where you know, it's it doesn't have the reach as like a Jeopardy. Yeah, it doesn't have like the Jeopardy's like an American institution, uh, to the point where like we care about who's hosting. Yeah, like to <laughs> we that, care a lot about who's we care hosting. a lot about who's fucking hosting. And from my understanding, I think at the right now, I think Ken Jennings and Mayim Bialik are like. Pulling double duty as hosts, but there's some. I believe uh, that's the last I heard. That's the last I heard about that situation, and even then, there's a lot of contention because uh, I think my, even Mayim Bialik has uh, uh, gotten some like bad press in the in the in the media for something stupid. 
she has. I don't remember exactly what stupid thing it was. That's probably how dumb it was. I think it would be great if it was Ken Jennings because, like, that. Imagine that you win Jeopardy seventy times in a row, and like, boom, you get to be you host. Get to host. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he is. Like, I, I'm not. I don't know as far as like his personality. If he's like a really nice and charismatic person, because I think that's what I think drew people to. Jeopardy. I have like, never seen anything crazily controversial about Ken Jennings. Um, I know he's good. Yeah, he's got like a I. couple books, I think. Yeah, so uh, I I can't speak to uh, like his like personality as far as like oh this is we shouldn't have Ken James because he's you know he is a member of the he Proud would be Boys. the choice though <laughs> if you wanted if you wanted to hop back to classic Jeopardy like that if if you want to move forward and make Jeopardy like something new and adaptive and like for the modern era like you'd go with somebody who wasn't Ken Jennings if you wanted to keep Jeopardy as the age age old timeless institution that it is you'd probably go Ken Jennings cuz he seems like he would just because you know he when it was the early 2000s the 90s when was his streak his streak was like back in 20 2004 it was a while back oh yeah early 2000s yeah yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, if you want to keep it classic Jeopardy, you go with a Ken Jennings. If you if you want to do something a little bit more forward forward looking, maybe a Mayim Bialik would be a, a that kind of would go in that kind of direction. And they both at the, right now they're kind of pulling double duty. So it seems like either the higher ups don't have can't make a decision, or they're trying to kind of get both. T- both kinds of um, both kind of demographics of like the classic Jeopardy lovers and like the the new hip trivia people trivia kids yeah but speaking of being more forward looking uh, did you did you hear about Leah Michelle <laughs> <laughs> oh Leah Michelle can uh, she is wild <laughs> like wild. I I think I saw and sent this to you and I think both of our reactions were identical. Yeah, uh, in the sense of like, what in the actual fuck, Leah Michelle? <laughs> it was like a. What did she? It was like an interview that she did. That she said this. It was uh, so apparently uh, HBO uh, released a documentary this uh, uh, about the about Spring Awakening. It's called Spring Awakening. Those you've known. And it was basically like an opportunity for the cast to kind of come back and do a 15th anniversary sort of concert. Um, and, you know, that in, in doing so, they would interview the, the cast members and things like that and talk about their uh, experiences with the show, having, do, you know, done it 15 years ago. Um, and Leah Michelle played the, uh, I think she was Vendla. If I remember correctly. It was like her big, it was her big, Spring Awakening having such critical acclaim is what launched Leah Michelle into like stuff like Glee. Yes. And, In fact, I think that was uh, her next project after Spring Break. Yeah, no, Spring at, uh, which Glee. I think Jonathan Groff was also a part of. Absolutely, yes. B- both, um, both Leah Michelle and Jonathan Groff, fresh from Spring Awakening, hopped right into Glee. Um, and Jonathan Groff uh, was her... Was uh, he Melchior? Uh, so I'm not super familiar with Spring Awakening. I haven't seen it. It's uh, I was gonna. I had a chance to see it one time, but like they didn't have it. Like it was uh, uh, overflow tickets. 
Oh, and I, I didn't I didn't get in. So right, 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 right. Uh, Spring Awakening is one of those shows that like I think has gotten a huge like cult following, and it has been like like you said, it's been pretty. Uh, it, it's. Like, for a lot of people, Spring Awakening is, like, one of those, like, sleeper hits that, like, you wouldn't think would be, like, a big, 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 big hit, but it was huge. Well, and and I'm I'm not an expert, because, like, I guess I haven't, I'm not a long-time, for-all-my-life Broadway aficionado, but I feel like when Spring Awakening came out, there was sort of, like, a a revival in the popularity of Broadway, and maybe I'm wrong. I Maybe mean, it was Glee that did that. It, it, it might have been. It could have uh, like had that. It could have been part of that like upper tick where it was like the start of like the new generation of Broadway shows because it was very. Yeah, I it think it's a very different show. It's a very. It's very. Uh, uh, well, I, it, from my understanding, it's a show that whose uh, text and like story is actually based on like a play written back in like the 1800s or something but the the music that they add to the show is very like contemporary like rent style rock Mm -hmm. we haven't gotten to the actual like the the important part of this yeah so the the ridiculousness (laughs) of bringing up leah michelle and spring awakening was the fact that uh, Leah Michelle's co uh, co star Jonathan Groff is a gay man, and a lot of Spring Awakening is the you know coming into age of sexual maturity, or realizing sexuality, and as a gay man, probably hasn't Jonathan Groff probably hasn't had a lot of experience with having sex with women. So Leah Michelle's mind was like, oh, let him get you know i want him to like explore the female body so that he's comfortable like you know exploring the sexuality of his character so like you do you allow your gay co-star to look at your vagina with you know just shining a desk lamp at your vagina and you're like explore my explore my my womanhood and that's apparently what she 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 once let Jonathan Groff just like just take a peek at her at her goodies. Yeah, which is just a an insane thing to talk about in an interview and admit to publicly. I think. I mean, I don't know. There's. I know that there's been a lot of. T- uh, there's been some kind of like. Uh, uh, there's always this like. Uh, there's always talk about like how method actors are kind of like they are pushing the acting genre to like it's a weird, uh, like a weird space. Like we're talking like in the likes of uh, Jared Leto during his uh, stint as the Joker, how he would like just like play weird pranks on the uh, uh, on the cast members as Joker. Yeah. Like, so so this is a method thing. This is what my understanding is that this is her attempt to kind of really get into the role of uh, of their characters. And so it, it's I think this is it's kind of a, a bizarre. I mean, good. I, I Good for her. For I mean, being... if 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 so, like it worked. The show was uh, from from what I understand, 2006, like the biggest like hit. Like people people were talking about it. People are still, I mean, we're still talking about it. Uh, oh yeah, and then it launched. It launched both of them into uh, fairly successful careers. 
Um, I mean, I don't know what Leah Michelle's up to recently, but Jalen Groff is is in a lot of. I mean, he does uh, voice actors for like the biggest, most popular Disney movies. Um, mm-hmm. He's uh, he's uh, a, he, he he voiced what's his uh, homeboy from Frozen, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, why why can't I think of his name? Kristoff. Kristoff. Yeah. And uh, he's been in, I think, wasn't he just? In he's in the he's in the new Matrix. The new Matrix movie, right? So like he he's he's been doing things. Lee Michelle has had a checkered uh, relationship with stardom. I think. Yeah, we we could <laughs> we could do a whole we could do a whole hour on interesting things about Lee Michelle and Lee Michelle conspiracy theories, and we probably shouldn't just because like we could get into trouble. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's just like, why, it's just another, another, why just shit on this person more than what society's already shat on her, but like, I think it's just, you know, with all of that background, and then having this story come out that like, yeah, I just let my co-star, like, look at my vagina, you're just like, okay, Leah Michelle, you're that's just a, a, one more point on the bizarre things that Leah Michelle has done. <laughs> Kudos to yeah. her being comfortable enough to let a gay man just like peer into her uh, genitals. Uh, I don't know if it was reciprocated, <laughs> but you know who knows. I that that wasn't a part of the. Uh... I don't think they mentioned it. Yeah. I think it was mostly just like, yeah, uh, I got to see Lou Michelle's vagina. But, like, who who were we to say that it was weird and unnecessary? The show won uh, by a quick Google eight Tonys. So. Yeah. Wildly successful. Each of them have gone to wildly gotta successful. Gotta get them careers. awards. Yeah. So, if, if this is any, if this, if a lesson is to be gleaned from this, um, I guess I need to look at more vagina. That's how you get this successful, yeah. I guess. <laughs> At least in I the mean, Broadway that, world. That... Yeah. If I want to be a Broadway star, I guess I know what I need to do. Yeah, I need to peer into, <laughs> I need to peer into Leah Michelle's vagina. <laughs> yeah, get her on. Get her on the podcast. Uh, oh, oh God. <laughs> oh God. Uh oh. Uh, quick, quick transition, transition. More gay things. Potentially, not really. <laughs> uh, no, this is actually the straightest thing we're going to talk about next, right? Absolutely. This is, actually, yes, you're right. This, this is, is quite straight. This is a. This is yeah. This is this is a little too straight for my blood as a straight person. Because <laughs> like, I would never do what. Uh, well, I, I guess you can't ever say that because I believe I genuinely believe what happened with Misha Collins was an accident oh. we're transitioning now of course to talk about the Misha Misha Collins news yeah Misha Collins from Supernatural has uh, in an uh, has most recently had to come into the closet having accidentally po- outed himself but not really because he is not bisexual but he had to like yeah <laughs> he had to he had to kind of uh, apologize for uh, quote. He had to make clumsiness. a clarification, uh, yeah, of uh, of some clumsy words that he used at a uh, uh, was it an actual supernatural convention or just like a comic convention? 
It was uh, the Creation Entertainment's Supernatural Official Convention in East Brunswick, okay, so was, New Jersey. So it was an actual like supernatural convention. Yeah, and I know like, when the when the news first dropped, I think I saw people on Twitter who I follow who are like big uh, Tumblr heads or just uh, excited about like supernatural fans uh, were all like really excited and saying stuff like, "I knew it! I knew it!" Um, so it's 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 kind of uh, in that, what it's in like a darkly ironic, humorous way, uh, funny that like he then had to come out and clarify in like a long Twitter thread that he's not in fact bisexual. Yeah, and uh, like you said, I think it's just an honest mistake. I think he uh, the the question that was asked uh, was. By show of force, how many of you would consider yourself introverts, extroverts, how many bisexuals, and then he says, I'm all three, in kind of a quip, uh, kind of a witty banter kind of thing. And then people were like, yeah. oh, what? He's bisexual? And what? people immediately, because people have been, uh, I don't know, with this show in particular, like, uh, there's the, the term in popular media uh, called queer baiting where showrunners and writers of television shows will make it seem like two characters might have an LGBT like connection, uh, but they'll never pay it off. They they literally just do it to get uh, LGBT audiences like intrigued and interested, uh, but then they never have any intention. It's always like a bad faith uh, example. And uh, Supernatural was had a huge fandom who like were very disappointed. I think that nothing ever came out of. Uh, the character that Misha Collins played and the character that, uh, so Jensen, yeah, Jensen Ackles character in Supernatural never, uh, had anything come of what was like, I think seasons of queer baiting. And so it's like a, yeah. a real life version of the thing that people have been complaining on Tumblr for like literally a decade, which, yeah. It's, it's, it's all silly because uh, obviously he uh, comes out in this, uh, he just kind no, of. Like, I, don't, I don't think he had any harm, like any harm meant. No, I think it was completely unintentional. He was trying to, like, I think people. He was trying to, like, skirt the uh, the the question of his sexuality without having to actually discuss it, and you know he worded it pretty badly. But uh, he uh, after after you know making that statement at the convention, he. In, uh, takes to um, I think uh, Twitter and yeah goes on record saying I'm not bisexual, very straight, but I am a fierce ally. I didn't mean to uh, you know accident. I didn't mean to kind of suggest otherwise. I'm fully supportive of the LGBTQ LGBTQIA plus community, all that kind of stuff. And he's like, I'm just I just I didn't I didn't speak very well. I, I'm, he, he, in his Twitter uh, response, he quote says, "I'm deeply sorry for the clumsiness of my language," and um, and he says he's trying to he's trying to learn and do better and continue listening to, uh, you know, to the uh, continue listening to you know members of the community and make sure that he's not not publicly not publicly accidentally outing himself when in fact he is not uh bisexual so 
I, I, yeah. do, I just think it's it is funny, especially based on the fact that like there has been such uh, uh, there has this huge like fan fiction. Yeah, it's it's because the huge yeah, fan fan fiction. Uh, uh, what is it? Shipping. Uh, specifically with the mm-hmm. supernatural. I mean, it's it's a show that went on for like fifteen years, um, so like every person with a internet account, like on either Tumblr or Twitter or wherever, uh, who grew up with it and like grew up, you know, being fans. Like they're like super fans. They're like they're very intense about their love for the show. There's a convention specifically for that show, yeah, uh, because it has so many fans who are so intense on. On the show, and it's just funny that a lot of the controversy over the years from those fans has been about like this thing, this type of thing, and then it like, happened re- in real life. Yeah, it's it's kind of meta for this to really happen. Like all this, yeah, it, it is kind of like meta that oh, Castiel, you know, the fandom has been shipping Castiel and Dean for so long, and then it turns out having the actor playing Castiel coming out as bisexual seemingly uh and what i love about it is the fact that like the community was like not only just the fandom was like yeah uh, we we knew it yay but like the community in general was just like that's great yay yeah i love the fact they're very supportive very supportive uh, of the potential of an lgbt like actor in the in the show but like the fact um, that he's like no i'm actually straight i'm going back into the closet sorry <laughs> like this is the, the closet is where i'm actually like belong <laughs> it's just like funny because you you, you always hear about like uh character uh, people being outed yeah and then it was it to, was the opposite of that and in, in this case he has to in himself <laughs> yeah he 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 had to then come out as being straight Correct. So it's. I think it's. It's a silly. It's a silly moment in. Uh, yeah. In the fan. In the supernatural fandom, and it's a silly moment and just to be like, "My bad, guys. I'm actually straight. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stupid and didn't in English correctly." <laughs> My hope is that it doesn't affect too many actual like uh, bisexuals, because I know there's a lot of stigma around people who are bi, and. Uh, who experience like biphobia on a regular basis that this isn't, this isn't the greatest thing to happen to for those people. Um, but hopefully, I mean, he, I feel like his apologies are really genuine. I feel like he is, uh, a good ally and he's taking the right steps to listen to the right people and like fix, fix this little blunder. Yeah. I think that's, Um, I think that's the best way to describe it is a blunder. It is. I don't think this is malicious there. I don't think there was any malicious intent in this at all. It just he was just trying to be, he's just trying to be kind of silly when when talking about his, and trying to avoid having to directly talk about his sexuality, but like he did it in kind of a goofy way, and he, he goofed, and he when he realized he goofed, he's like, oh shit, my bad, I'm sorry, I didn't really mean to say that, or I'm sorry, I might. It's just, it's just, I think he, yeah, it was just a, it was just an honest, an honest mistake. I don't think he was trying to queer bait nobody. Yeah, it's just funny that it happened to the literal biggest fan fiction, uh, like, bisexual ship of two characters in fictional media in, like, all of time, I think. I can't think of a bigger, between 
uh, and this maybe I'm telling on myself about how much like supernatural Tumblr I consume or how much uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm into into that thing. But like Castiel Dean, like Destiel's the the term for the for the ship. Destiel. Is, I, th- yes. <laughs> I think it's the biggest. I, and I, I could be wrong. Like I know that there's a, a like a couple other shows that have huge fandoms, but I feel like the supernatural uh, is like bigger and more powerful, and that it's just it's incredibly like it's ironic funny that like this happened to that to that machine yeah this almost seems like a farce like this yeah like, no it's, it's so ridiculous it seems like this is like a christopher guest movie where <laughs> an actor a guy plays an actor who in who like accidentally comes out as being a member of the lgbt community just, it's a and, situation where people are like, you couldn't write it, but like you, th- this is literally something that you could write, and like it would be, it would be incredible, like dark comedy to write this. Yeah, it's, it is, <laughs> it, it is a very kind of like, yeah, very death to smoochy kind of style of uh, kind of p- turning the coming out, the celebrity coming out trope on its head, where it's like, I'm actually straight, <laughs> I'm coming out as straight, so. It's just silly. Sorry. Sorry about it. And too bad. I mean, Misha Collins is a snack. Yeah, but sorry, that's that's a win for straight talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yes, I will secede this uh, one point. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's like <laughs> ultimately that's that's the thing. It, all of this really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I think it, it, it it's. Let the guy. I, I think the the whole the fact that like fandom the fandom has like hounded Misha Collins about his sexuality for so long is a little bit yeah. is a little toxic. Like just leave the poor guy alone. Yeah. No. Point. A lot of these fandoms can be pretty toxic. Fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, speaking of toxic, ooh. you you caught up you caught up on the Masked Singer. Oh dear. I'm doing terrible. Today, I, I decided to to, to uh, start recording for the podcast and only do terrible transitions. It's my I mean, life goal. You are you are three and zero, oh, <laughs> baby. <laughs> uh, this I I feel like we or you and Joanna talked about the first part of this a long time ago when it first uh, like was recorded. Um. That Rudy Giuliani was on The Masked Singer, uh, but it possibly. just aired, it aired last week that Rudy Giuliani was on The Masked Singer, uh, and then I think Ken, Ken is it Ken Jeong? How do you pronounce his name? I think that's right, Ken Jeong. Okay. Uh, was Who's one of the judges on The Masked Singer, like, walked off. Like, he, he stood up and he left as soon as, like, uh, Rudy Giuliani was unmasked. And it, it aired and the the way that it was sort of presented um because this season of the mass singer was and joanna should really be here to talk about this because she's the one who's she's much more into the mass singer than you or i in that i think she actually sits down and watches it so if she's listening to this i hope she's seen the latest episode of the mass singer otherwise spoilers <laughs> right don't listen to the pod <laughs> um but they, uh, what am I saying? They they recorded this during, like, peak Omicron, like, uh, pandemic. 
Yeah. So like there's there no live audience, no live audience for the recording. And this is a show. I think I believe they just record it all in like a few weeks in like a summer, and then uh, all of the audience has to like keep quiet for eight months while they actually slowly air it, which is how a lot of reality TV yeah. stuff is done because they got to edit it. Yeah. Um, but the way they edited it, it, yeah, is that they took uh, audience reactions from previous seasons of The Masked Singer of people laughing and smiling and applauding that uh, they just intercut with uh, Rudy Giuliani being unmasked, which. Um, if personally, if I was an audience member and I would be more in the Ken Jeong school of things where I would just leave. You're and like, uh, I, I, I don't need to see this. I'm, I might throw something. Uh, <laughs> were we in, you know, 16th century minstrels, uh, live performance, <laughs> you'd be throwing cabbages and tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like a real bad thing to try to rehabilitate history's greatest monsters through things like The Masked Singer, or even Dancing with a Star does this too, where they'll get someone controversial, and yes. you know it's just because they want like the hate ratings. Yeah. They want people like, oh, Rudy Giuliani was in The Masked Singer? I hate that. Let me watch it. I think that's Let me watch how bad Carol... he is. Yeah, I think that's what they did with Carol Baskin when they put her on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. You're just like they also put Sean Spicer on Dancing with the Stars. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You're just like, a, who in their right mind is calling these people celebrities, like that? Yes, yeah, st- stars is loose. This is the very, very yeah, Dancing with the Stars, quote unquote. Um, but like, yeah, it's the only reason why they're they've casted those figures is for the hate ratings. Yeah, which is a shame. Yeah, and it's silly, and I don't, I can't imagine Rudy Giuliani being a very good singer. So I'm glad that he's out of the, off of the show. I was glad far. I didn't. Yeah, I was glad I didn't uh, watch any of it or have to listen to any of it. This week, uh, the person they unmasked was another uh, celebrity, one of the few celebrity Trump supporters, um, Kirstie Alley, which again just seems like it's in the same vein as like, did they just pick? Those type of people in the mass singer to like rile people up and get the hate ratings. It just seems like why, like why are you doing this? Yeah, and uh, I don't know what's been uh, as far as like I don't know who it's for is some, what I'm. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know if it's if it has to do with the fact that maybe better celebrities were just unavailable, and so they're like, fuck it, let's just get Christy Alley <laughs> at this point. I mean, like, I think. I think the first season of the Masked Singer was was it was T Pain, right? T Pain was the winner. He was, I he was, yeah, he was, and like that that was uh, I think that was great. That's like a great historical moment. Uh, I think the only other thing the Masked Singer could do is uh, a Weird Al reveal. Oh right, yeah, like have like a because like a more sillier like singer come out yeah but i think, I think he, people very... are always watching the uh, mass singer and thinking is that weird al <laughs> uh i mean i would i would find it very difficult for a weird al to kind of go because he's got such a distinctive sound that like i think people would be immediately like, oh yeah that's fucking weird al like there nah, was... i th- i think that he does enough genre flipping uh that it's not it's not so distinct I mean, maybe. I think he, I think he could pull it off. I don't know. I think Guy Fieri would be fun on the Mass Singer. That would I, be. His... I, I think the Mass Singer. It should just be fun people. 
It should be fun, people. It, sh- it honestly, like, there was. I remember, I remember reading an article about like a gymnast in like Australia, like uh, audition for like the Australian Voice, and like fucking kills it. I want to see stuff like that where you you see you hear people. I want to see more of that. It's happened a few times on the on the show. Like I think there was a football player in one of the more recent seasons where he like actually was a really good singer. Yeah. And I want to see more of that, like so more like random ass celebrities or random ass like public figures that like actually sing really well. Mm-hmm. Less like, people are controversial because of like their hatred of minorities or poor people. Right. Yeah. Or you know, controversial figures that like have no business getting attention, and yeah. more and more. You know, less uh, people associated with homophobia. Yeah, can we not get or racism? Yeah, can we just not get the homophobes and the racists on the television? Like that's that would be a nice thing to happen, but you know, apparently that's a difficult thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know who's uh, in charge over at the Mass Singer, but yeah, can we not? They could, you know? they could, they could take a couple lessons. They could learn a thing or two from listening to us. I would like to think so. If if you're listening, producers of Mass Singer. Uh, just do better. We have notes. We have a we have a couple of we have a couple of notes, and I think you can you can probably do a little better. You can probably put a little bit more effort into who you invite onto your stage. Like fucking, they had the the members of Mbop uh, of Hanson, the singers of Mbop on the show, and I'm like, I want to hear more stuff more stuff like that, because those were when they were on. That was fantastic. I want to hear more shit like it's gonna that. It's gonna be real hard. It's gonna be real hard not to make the members of Mbop to be the episode title. I think that's I think that's gonna be the episode title. Damn it! <laughs> the, the members of Mbop. That's a good one. <laughs> Again, like you corrected yourself. You know, for the record, you know. I knew it. I knew that it. It's Hanson. But this is why the, we need the LGBT, phrase. This is why gay people need to be on Jeopardy to balance my idiocy out. <laughs> <laughs> The members of Mbop. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good that's place fun. to take a break. Let's talk about hippopotamuses. Hippopotamuses. Did you see uh, the Oscar Isaac clip from like Jimmy Fallon where he sings a song sings about a hippopotamus? Song about yes. Yeah, okay. Because that, that, that started making the rounds again. Like I remember uh, seeing it like a few years ago when it actually, because like, he was, I think he was doing press for Dune. Um he just picks up a guitar. He's got a song. They like it. just goes hippopotamus, ah! and like that was the clip that people were were cutting. Because so uh, at the end of the last episode of we're going to talk about Moon Knight. Let's cut transition quick. Hard cut to Moon Knight episode five. Episode five, almost done <laughs> with the w- wiggly eared hippopotamus lady. Hippopotamus lady, who turns out to be an Egyptian god of like women and children, right? Like yeah, and something. She, she also like ferries the dead into the 
Egyptian underworld. Like I'm, I'm I know nothing really about Egyptian mythology, but I was like I'm real confused about what exactly is going on. <laughs> I mean, I think your souls judged in like the sand sea of the underworld, and if you're balanced, uh, then you get to go to the field of reeds, which is heaven. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, she did could... awkwardly like mention that. Uh, oh yeah, this is just one afterlife. Uh, you know, it's parallel to a lot of different afterlives, like the ancestral plane, which we all know from Black Panther. Absolutely. So, like, uh, I think th- it, it kind of also plays off of like the multiverse type of like thinking, where there's like, yeah the existence of multiple, uh, you know, sort of dimensions, all in that are kind of. Um, existing mm-hmm. at the same time space question mark but, and so far I think that's the only real con- that one line in this episode feels to me like it's the only connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe like as a whole in like yeah which I think is crazy now that I think about it yeah, I, where all I, the other all the other shows that the they've done on Disney Plus have been like deeply rooted in MCU uh but this one is operating more like uh, uh, completely without any ties. But I think that's why I like it so much is because it is such a new, like, story that we're ex- that we're exploring. Yes, it's kind of tied very tangentially to the stuff that we already know that has come up already. But I think that it's what's exciting about Moon Knight, and which. Side note is quickly becoming one of my mo- more favorite Marvel Disney Plus um, content. Like it's uh, this is coming up there with like a Wandavision to me. Like it is incredibly like I'm so enjoying this. And this particular episode really made me was uh, really made me love what's what they're trying to do with uh, yeah and the characters. No, this... This really tied the storytelling uh, together for me in a way that I w- like. I had felt disappointed, I think, with previous like in in the season so far because it was all kind of just like oh well, like the backstories don't matter. But like we're going into flashbacks to like okay, here's the genesis of these people. Yes, uh, and I think that it's in such the, a... the entire episode takes place over the I don't know when you die and your life flashes before your eyes. That's kind of what's happening here. Yeah. It, it, it... But it's like handled in a way that I think is really unique because it's not like it's not like oh it's a wonderful life where like oh the, this this person's guiding you through memories or you just like are just sitting through and just like watching your life flash before your eyes kind of like what they did with Loki, um, but it's the, the having using this metaphor of like a psych ward and him kind of also at the same time kind of moving through the Egyptian underworld and trying to um, get trying to balance the scales of the you know with the with the feather and try to get into the good the good place <laughs> um, I think that's it's a really interesting kind of take on the uh, you know the life life flashing before your eyes kind of trope and it giving backstory to because i think this is the first confirmation in the show at least i know that like in the comics we know that mark specter is like the main the main core personality and that like steven is actually one of the right because we we started with the perspective of steven, of steven. so we, were, we weren't sure who the who the uh 
I don't know. I don't know if there's a term for in disassociative identity disorder patients. I, I think it's called the core personality, for, if I remember correctly. For the core, core, and then the alters. Yes, it's the core, and then the alters. I think are the it, that's the terminology. Um, it's been a while since I've. I mean, I have a fucking degree in psychology. You'd think I'd know this, but it's been a while <laughs> since I studied. Well, I think stuff. also disassociative identity disorder is not nearly as common or. Uh, portrayed in a way that uh like people like it's always portrayed in like the i, I don't i don't know that i've ever i mean you've you probably know better than i if you've got training and education in psych but i don't know that it is a complete like blackout like fight club style uh you live a whole other life while you're asleep and have no idea uh, there are, uh, there, a lot of research has actually been done on dissociative identity disorder and colloquially in like the pop culture, it often gets like lumped together with like a bipolar disorder where people just like switch the idea of like being able to switch your like, uh, personality. It, people, people miss identify that as being bipolar and bipolar is actually not a dissociative identity disorder. It's inc it's incredibly different, but uh, in the research of dis people who have been diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder, you can say DID. Let's do that. Uh, <laughs> they they do go into what are called fugue states, where um, the core personality loses time. Like they are in in, in a lot of the previous episodes, we see. Oscar Isaac's character is Steven. Yeah, they go into that fugue state. Go into yeah. go into a fugue state and then come to having not exp having no memory or recollection of what had happened in the meantime, and that's actually quite. And they do a good job disorienting us as a viewer in the same way that I think a person experiencing a fugue state would be disoriented. Yes, one of the one of the many reasons why I love this sh this yeah. particular sh show and why I I think Oscar Isaac needs more recognition by more people because this, his portrayal of Stephen and Mark and potentially there's a, from from the previous episode there's a potential for a third because there was another sarcophagus that they never opened that had somebody yeah. thumping around in so and there have been there have been suggestions throughout the previous episodes like there might be a third person because even Mark is like I don't remember doing this but uh I think that's one of the. It, it just shows. Yeah, that, like, it's also in the comics. There's a third. I believe there's a third alter named Jake. And I think they're probably like. Maybe in the next in the uh, finale we might see, uh, them push towards the reveal of, uh, of Jake because I do remember hearing that, uh, reading like speculation articles about, what's going on with the. Uh, uh, with Moon Knight and where they potentially might be heading towards. Uh, but I think the way they handle DID in this show is really well, really well done because yeah. And I think they have medical like uh, consultants who deal with like, like actual like psychiatrists or somebody who's like consulting on the show so that they do get it right. And I think they do the same thing for some of the other aspects of the show that uh, I mean, like, like the, the amount of, I think, I don't know if they have, like, a full Egyptologist or uh, just people who study, like, Egyptian uh, history mm -hmm. um, and, and, like, the uh, relig the ancient, like, religious stuff. 
I think they're they're I think the show's doing a good job portraying that in a sensitive and uh, like proper manner than something you would have seen like twenty years ago. Yeah, I actually feel very like I think they're I'm I'm like learning about Egyptian mythology like watching the show like it feels very very well like really well researched and grounded in the sense that like I don't feel like. Yeah that they're just making shit up. It feels really, really... And it started from the beginning. Like, the little hippo dolls were in the first episode. Uh, I, yeah. Where it, he talks, like... The, there's a little girl who's, like, stuffing trash in the Pyramid of Giza, and, like, he mentions that, like, there's nothing in there, and then they show up in there, like, that's where all the freaking Egyptian gods who are, like, yeah, that, that alive today, or, like, yeah, that, that in, that's the pyramid that they're inside of where the little girl's sticking the trash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he, he describes the whole Field of Reeds thing, like, that's how you you're judged and you go to heaven and like the afterlife uh like in the in the first couple like it's it's building on each other so if like you have no experience which i don't have a ton of experience with um specifically ancient egyptian like uh religious or hieroglyphic kind of stuff um outside of like super basic popular media it's been real nice to have it sort of uh built on itself and slowly rolled out to me in a way that's like easy to understand and interesting yeah, it's, it's, it provides a really nice backdrop as well because I think having the being in like these gorgeous like Egyptian settings, it giving me uh, like particularly in the previous episode, I think it was giving me very the mummy, like very much like I am yeah I am I am Brendan Fraser circa nineteen ninety nine or whatever when that film came out and I'm exploring the tombs of the the uh, you know trying to find the book of the dead and trying to you know prevent the resurrection of Imhotep and things like that like yeah it, it, it was very giving me very much like Indiana Jones mixed with the mummy well and I think a couple of the sets uh, from what I was uh, I think you know, they watched a video or read an article that said some of the locations specifically in that episode where they were like crawling through the tombs were literally just the Indiana Jones sets. Nice. So if it was giving you that vibe, which was especially great because they also showed like their knockoff Indiana Jones yes, movie. Yes, I love that. Um, in that same episode. So it was yes. like built on top of each other in so many layers. Uh, yeah, and we, and we, we end up finding out in this episode that Mark bases Steven off of that Indiana Jones's that Indiana knockoff Indiana Jones character and calls him yeah and, and, and gives that's how we we get a Steven he's named after Stephen Grant the pseudo Indiana Jones uh, character um, in that in his like little like knockoff movie thing so mm-hmm. and then we find out that the Steven that we met who uh, has like weird insomnia conditions that he like put sand around his bed he lives in that flat um i guess the flat is probably marks because he's got his like phone and stuff in there but like that is it's just been two months like i don't know how long he's had a job at the gift shop but i'm imagining it's just two months uh, i i i can't remember exactly how like what the time frame of the because uh, he said it was like two months ago that the his their mom their died mom and that died. was when yeah. he like he flipped to Stephen. Right. And like, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So I feel like that might have been when he got a job at the gift shop, and like that he hasn't been, you know. And we find like out in, that in like, Stephen's mind, he's he's got like you know you fill in the whole backstory like like you're in when you're in a dream you never remember exactly like how you got to where you start, but 
right, right, I just right. I find it really interesting, like thinking about his interactions with like his coworkers and stuff. That, I mean, if he's just you know, because he works in the gift shop and like, that's a job you could get entry level. Uh, he knows a lot about Egypt stuff, so that probably helped him get the job at the museum. But like, he's not a tour guide. He's not anything that they would have to have somebody like there for a long time before he got promoted. He might only have like worked there for two months. Right, and, and being in the, uh, working at the gift shop, they're not going to like look intensively into like his references or uh, prior history of employment and things like that. If you were a tour guide or something a little bit more substantial in the in the museum, they might have had to like check with his previous do a background check, yeah. yeah. And so, like, they would have easily found that, like, oh, you didn't exist <laughs> until, uh, you know, two months ago or whatever. And so It's like, hey, we fingerprinted you, and you're actually uh, a different on record person. for, a cri- right? for crimes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you're a, you're a globally, a globally uh, wanted fugitive. Like, you, <laughs> there's a warrant for your arrest in several, several countries. Uh, you're, you're not getting this job. <laughs> And I think and I think one of the saddest moments comes in this episode when we realize that like Stephen, uh, well, I don't think it's the saddest. It's the I think that's the uh, I think it is. Stephen no, has like an is, identity crisis where he's like, I'm I was made up. Like, well, not only that, but he was made up to deal with the trauma of the loss of his younger brother, who and his mom, who also did not take it very well and abused him. Yeah, like, and one of the one of the uh, you know uh, triggers a lot of uh, for a lot of people with DID is intense trauma, and for a per- and people and what they'll uh, people who suffer from uh, who experience like extreme trauma like that will often create an altar to take the brunt or like to so that they yeah. can shield themselves from that from that uh from that pain and we see the we see the literal the literally the moment the moment Mm -hmm. that steven is created and it is right before he gets beaten by his mother for blaming who blames him for the death of his younger brother like that is incredibly sad incredibly devastating and i think like and I mean, spoiler alert! I think that also contributes to the fact that would the poignancy of ha- seeing Stephen going into like the sand dunes, yeah, and, like, and uh, you know, like sort of a sacrifice because he he like he sacrifices himself to save Mark in that moment, which is exactly his. That's was his, the point of his existence was to. Yeah, just having protect. just found out that, like, yeah, that's his whole deal. That's that was his that was his purpose, and it's just, just like, ugh. This, this at first this 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 show was scary. Then it was really like mm-hmm. it was almost like a Carmen San Diego, like, ooh, let's go to all these exotic places in Egypt. Now it's like this sad tragedy. I'm like, ugh, Disney Plus with Moon Knight. Is it does it me, all, yeah. It's giving me all of the emotional roller coaster that I didn't know I needed. Like I said, this is easily becoming one of my favorite Disney Plus Marvel uh, shows. Like it is up there. Like, uh, like WandaVision for me was like this was spectacular. I loved WandaVision. I think it is by far my favorite uh, Disney show, uh, Disney Plus show. But like Moon Knight is damn near, damn near close to that. It is so yeah. good, so good. 
I applaud. I also all. want to give it huge props for uh, the because he's got dissociative identity disorder. It would have been so easy to make like the splitting of his personality something that happened from the mystical magic of Khonshu, the Egyptian god. But instead, it's grounded in a real life thing that happens to real life people in real life. Um, and so, yeah. like, it would like it would be in like fiction. It'd be so easy to just sort of, uh, sort of, yeah. To make it, like, not as bad. And so, you know, it's just because he's he's got an Egyptian god rattling around in his brain. Um, so I think it's it's real important from just, like, a mental health perspective and, like, representation for yes. people who like, experience that kind of thing. Yes. That it is, it, what happened to him could happen to a normal person. Yeah. Having, like, that it trauma does happen. brought on by it, your family. It does happen. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely happens. And it, it's... I think that's why it's such a this show, and that's why I think it's, it has the kind of the same poignancy as Wandavision because Wandavision was was kind of a mental health journey through the stages of grief. Mm-hmm. In this way, in this show, it's this kind of exploration of trauma and uh, exploring, you know, exploring the different facets of having quote unquote multiple personalities and exploring how to integrate because that's the whole the the when treating people with did the in, the goal is to inter, is integration to integrate all of the alters back into the core personality by dealing with the trauma that caused the separation and that was entirely episode five where we deal with what caused yeah. steven to to exist and for Mark... Because the entire time, out. Mark was very apprehensive about, like, I don't want to go revisit this... Uh, Even in this like, episode. Can we just not... Mm-hmm. Throughout, the, throughout, um, throughout the series, and especially in this episode, very, very, you know, reluctant to open uh, those old wounds. He even was like... You'd, he even tells Stephen, like, when he wants to go back up to the room, he's like, you do not need to go in there. I'm, I'm sparing you this because you do not need to go the, uh, we do not need to relive this and the 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 and what we come to learn is that you do need to go through and open up those old wounds in order to work past those Heal. traumas work through past those feelings to move forward and that was it, this this whole episode was a poignant representation of that central mental health uh, ideal is that you can't hide from your trauma you need to work through really you kind of have to relive those experiences work through the feelings associated with that event and move forward and this is a fantastic ugh i fucking love this show can't get, yeah, i can't i can't wait to see what they do in the finale i i am so excited and sad because i want more <laughs> yeah no i hope there's uh, more for the future of all cuz i think every one of these disney plus shows have had like a really good place to go and like i hope there's more for everyone involved yeah i hope so too i uh, from my understanding i don't think that they've like like greenlit a second season for like i know that they have greenlit a second season for loki i don't yeah i don't know if i if they've greenlit um a second season for for moon knight but if they don't that'll be sad but i think if they just like if they find a way to really like uh, 
to kind of tie up everything. I don't know if I need another season. I think yeah, it could, it could be it fine on its own. I think it could be just this really nice little nugget of absolute perfect perfect content that can just exist and no no need to fuck around with it. And then we can get to see like Moon Knight in like a, another like maybe a MCU film or something because uh, I know they're with the end of Eternals which I did actually see not too long ago um, uh, they, they with Kit Harrington's character and he becomes what's the, the, the Black Knight the Black Knight and so I think that and then you hear um, uh, the, I think Blade you can hear Blade kind of talking so maybe like yeah. you can see a Moon Knight Black Knight because aren't they kind of like related in the same like universe kind of thing? I'm not as familiar with Moon Knight Black and Black Knight as comic characters, but uh, I also know that it seems like they're setting up um, a really solid West Coast Avengers uh, run with Kate Bishop and uh, I think Falcon. I forget who else uh, with with some of the other shows that they've they've set up. It seems like they're they're slowly with. Uh, Oh, it was Wanda's Wanda's kids, uh, oh, Wanda's oh, kids, oh. Kate Bishop. It seems like, and they're doing the Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel uh, is supposed to be coming Kamala, soon. Kamala Khan's gonna be um, in that. Like those are people uh, who are on. It's the West Coast Avengers is, is like the the more teen oriented. It's like the Teen Titans of the Avengers. If the Teen Titans to Justice League, Avengers to West Coast Avengers. Gotcha, if that makes gotcha. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can do analogies. <laughs> well it's like i think teen titans are way more mainstream so it's like easier to i don't know if the west coast avengers have ever been in a mainstream video of any variety yeah i don't think so either like there i don't think there's any like tv show or movie not that of note but such excite for the finale of moon Knight. a uh, little sad because it's ending but also like i said if they manage to tie up all the things really nicely, I don't think it really needs a second season. It'd be, I think it could just stand on its own and just exist as, as is. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for the finale. And God damn it, Oscar Isaac is so attractive. I am sorry, I have to put that in there. <laughs> no, I mean he is. He's absolutely so good. You think I, I'm not going to disagree? Is uh... he is? Uh, I don't know. Uh, him and Stephen kind of does it for me. Really, really <laughs> does it for me. As the sort of non-assuming, uh, just sort of like British the guy, or yeah, like the kind of bumbling, goofy kind of English like doof. I find that wildly yeah. charming and char- wildly hot, charming. And hot doofus is definitely an archetype that, uh, like, hot yeah, hot doofus. I think hot I think dumb guy probably works. <laughs> hot doofus. Yeah, uh, but well, if you're going hot dumb guy, it's a uh, himbo. But Stephen's not dumb. He's just like, yeah, he's just kind of like, like he knows he knows a lot of facts and like he's the reason they, you know, got into those tombs and he's he's smart. He's a smart guy. He's just like absent, like maybe absent-minded or like just kind of yeah, a little socially awkward. I find mm-hmm. that wildly charming, and I think that not his, a full himbo. No, not a full himbo. He he, he needs a little bit. Uh, he needs a couple doses of uh, human growth hormones to <laughs> to get to himbo status. But uh, and I think his like Stevens like Moon Knight costume I think is really de- like really. I want to with a suit like the, uh, the like three the piece. dapper little yeah. suit. Yeah, I think that's. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> no, I like I like both uh, versions of the outfit. I think it's a really good costume. Oh yeah, I, I love. Uh, uh, I think it's really cool where he like grabbed those like those like moon like blades from his like chest. I was like, oh, that's really that's actually really cool. <laughs> yeah, but the 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 Steven version doesn't have those. No, he's, he's. I don't think he has any fancy weapons. It's just a nice little suit. And I think it's really cute. <laughs> Should we move on to, uh, I guess, catch-up? Is that... Uh, did you want to do a straight talk or this episode? No, I don't want to do a straight talk. That's... This whole episode is a straight episode talk. This whole episode is a straight talk. Okay. We, had a, we had the whole Misha Collins thing was a straight talk. That's all, <laughs> we had so much straight in this episode. In this episode. You're right. I've, I've put down enough audio for this episode. I don't think that I need to have an extra segment by myself. Maybe Joanna can do like, I'm in tech talk. And... <laughs> I'm in tech talk, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, here we're going to throw to Joanna for I'm in Tech Talk. <laughs> Thanks, Joanna. That was great. I played catch up this week. I saw some. <laughs> uh, I, got some I got some nanny episodes in the bank. Um, Critically acclaimed 90s sitcom The Nanny. The Nanny. Uh, and I say the bank because the first episode, uh, Fran and her mom are uh, caught in a bank robbery. And it's silly because it's the the whole preface of this episode is uh, she goes to the bank because Yetta finds a hus a man to marry her and Sylvia Fran's mom is like that man is just marrying you for your money quote unquote money they're not rich so they're like we need to go to the bank and make sure our money is secure. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's 90s logic. <laughs> yeah, got to make sure your money in the bank. Money in the bank is safe from, uh, I guess in this case it would be a grave digger, right? Or a grave robber, cradle robber, gold digger. That's what it is. It's a gold, a gold digger. digger, yeah. Gold digger. <laughs> I made it there. I got there. A, a grave robber. A grave robber. I didn't, realize, like, oh, no. I didn't realize the nanny got dark. <laughs> Ugh, it got real dark real fast. Um <laughs> But, yeah, it's just the, the couple episodes that I saw were real, nothing, like, of note to, there hasn't even been a fuckwatch, an addition to fuckwatch in these couple episodes. It's been pretty chill. Um, there's a, a funny, the, the second episode I saw was uh, they, Fran and Cece are selected to go on a jury for a trial of a Fabio type. It's like a, one of those romance novel cover models with the long hair. And the yeah, trial is Fabio that, type. Yeah, very Fabio type. Um, and uh, the trial is that his lover, his maid, cut all of his hair. And he's, and that's why they're in court for. And uh, the, the, the trial becomes quickly becomes kind of an allegory to Fran's relationship with Maxwell in the sense that like Maxwell is the employer much like this Fabio character and this Fabio character like tells the maid I love you but then takes it back and that's why she cuts all of his hair and Fran's like I know I like I can relate baby girl my boss does that to me too <laughs> and she's and then you know during jury deliberation everybody's like 
clearly the maid's guilty for cutting off his hair. She confessed, there's videotape, and Fran's the only one who's like, nope, she is innocent. He, she, she, she was driven to that by his uh, comments, and by his, you know, professing his love and taking it back. She's completely innocent. And then one of the jurors drops some fucking knowledge on her and was like, Haven't you, didn't, don't you think that he took it, the reason why he took it back is because he couldn't risk a relationship with her because she basically is the mother to his children and if things were to go wrong, their children would lose another mother and he could not risk losing you. And she's like, oh my God, Maxwell is doing that to me. He doesn't, he took it back because he doesn't want to risk losing me. He loves me. Yay. And That's so, character development. <laughs> and, 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 and in typical 90s fashion given to her by like some idiot, some dum-dum or some like random person in like a jury deliberation room. It's like, didn't you fucking figure this out? You, 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 <laughs> you stupid, stupid person. And she's like, oh my God. Yeah. And so like we... That's how the episode ends. Is that we? She realizes that oh, Maxwell actually does love her, and that she, you know, is for gonna forgive him for taking back, saying I love you to her. Um, there's a there's a great gag at the end where she fantasizes about being with the Fabio type character in the romance, like in a romance novel situation, and she like fantasizes about being with him, and she like we see him with like a brunette. And then Fran walks into the frame, and she's like, who the fuck is this brunette? And the brunette turns around, and it's actually Grandma Yetta in a Fran wig. Ha- <laughs> it's hysterical. I love it when, whenever Yetta comes into play. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. We love a classic gag. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I'm checking along, and hopefully we'll get to season the end of the end of the season in the next couple weeks. And Which we'll season see. are you on? This is season four, baby. Okay, I thought you were still on three. Chugging through season four, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm uh, episode 18 of season four, and Fran and Fran and Maxwell, uh, though all the tension is there, all the sexual tension is there, they still have not hooked up. So we will see by if by the maybe by the end of the season, maybe it's not until season five. But we will, we will. I will let you all know when they get to bang. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to find out. Joanna knows. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I know eventually it happens. I just don't know when exactly. So it's just like, it's the countdown. It's the final countdown. <laughs> but yeah, that's the, that is uh, my nanny catch-up for the week. All right. Well, let's take another break. Let's do it. Do it. Oh my god, I cannot with the housing market right now, Joanna. Have I not told you about Capital Realty Center? Oh, the premier realty group that supported and succeeded throughout the California landscape? Now I remember. If that's what you're looking for, call Kathy Johnson at 916-606-0687 to win that next bid. That's Kathy Johnson with Capital Realty Center at 916-606-0687. License number 02021378. We're back. And we're back. Classic 90s rewind. And we're taking a look at what's coming up because that is what we do. And so Margot Robbie is supposed to be in a live action Barbie movie. 
Yeah, I saw the picture. Uh, it looks good. Like, I'm down for like it. Like visually, like I am, I am interested. And did you did you read the cast? Like the cast. Uh, no. The cast includes Ryan Gosling as uh, Ken, Barbie's naturally. Boyfriend. We get a Kate McKinnon and Will Ferrell. We also get um, uh, Shang Chi himself, Simu Liu. Okay, in, awesome. In this film, this is—it's such a wild, like, wild cast, and it's supposed to be directed by Greta Gerwig, who uh, she was uh, Lady Bird, right? Yeah, she Gerwig. does a lot of the female. I think she did Little Women, or the was a little. What was the recent? I think uh, it was Little Women. Timothy Timothy Chalamet, uh, Saoirse Ronan film. Was it Little Women? Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I think so. I'm not sure. Greta Gerwig uh, does. Uh, she does. She does well with films about and for women. Um, yeah. So I'm like like, that female representation is good, and they're not going to be. It's not like when Joss Whedon does a movie with women in it. Greta <laughs> Gerwig is like, she she knows how to do what she's going to do. So I don't think there's anyone better to do the a Barbie movie. Yeah. Who knew that. We needed a Barbie movie, but like I'm kind of down for this, especially with like with the cast and Margot like looks the part. Like the the screenshot that they give with her and her like pink convertible, it's yeah. Like, she is Barbie. I mean, Margot Robbie is a stunning human being, but like oh, absolutely, she's beautiful. But like she's really stepping into this role, hardcore. And I have no idea what specifically it's going to be about. I know that I mean in barbie canon or whatever she has a lot of jobs including astronaut and physicist and like yes. lawyer yes yes yes. so i don't know i don't know if that like that's gonna play into the film at all literally like those are the only things i know about is that like there's a different type of barbie for every uh, human occupation yeah there's like dr barbie lawyer barbie trash trash collector barbie <laughs> Mil- military general barbie military general barbie starbucks barbie <laughs> which honestly makes it seem like if you were going to do a barbie movie she's definitely a spy <laughs> oh my god yes a barbie spy movie of course yeah i, I don't know if this is going to be what the movie's about but it should be now or there should be a movie like that because yes. we're we're writing it right now that's what's happening <laughs> that's what we've committed ourselves to we're writing let's, the barbie let's send spy in the movie. pitch oh yeah we're sending the pitch wb warner brothers we're we're pitching barbie spy movie get with it <laughs> but yeah, that's coming out of well the, the barbie movie that barbie movie is supposed to coming out it just started uh, is it was it already done like uh i think they're in still like in production it's not coming out until like, okay next year i think yeah, yeah. July, uh, July 21st, 2023. Because I saw that they just started production on the 10th Fast and Furious movie. Oh boy. Yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, interested to see. Uh, they already went to space. Yeah, they've gone like, to space. Like, what's going to happen now? Is Freddy Krueger going to show up again? <laughs> I I wasn't completely joking when I said, like, Fast 9, like, she go to space. like And they literally, they took a rocket ship to space yeah um i'm well aware (laughs) but like the my other like not even like half joke was that uh they would need they need to go back in time like (laughs) i don't know if fast 10 is gonna be the time travel movie they go so fast they pull like a flash and like reverse the polarity the 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 
spinning of the earth and like somehow turn back time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't. It could happen. Um, I am an unapologetic fan of Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> It's, it's, so it's I'm, I'm happy that they're making it's another one. one. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, but in addition to Barbie movie coming out, uh, Disney Plus is actually releasing a Chippendale Rescue Rangers uh, film? Film. So yeah, full animated feature or... It, uh, according to... Or is to, it live? It is... It, it's somewhere in between Who Framed Roger Rabbit and the Lego movie. They're supposed to be live oh, okay. action... It's supposed to be animated. It's very meta. Um, uh, according to the, uh, the, the, uh, this article, um, it shows our duo Chip and Dale are living amongst cartoons and humans in modern-day Los Angeles, but their lives are quite different these days. It's decades since their lo- successful television series was canceled, and Chip has become um, an insurance agent, and Dale, uh, voiced by Andy Samberg, has CGI surgery and <laughs> becomes CGI. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty meta. Very, very meta take. And John Mulaney voices Chip along with uh, Andy Samberg's Dale. So this will be quite interesting. I, haven't, I love Chip and Dale. I love the Rescue Rangers uh, TV show as a kid. Um, I'm down for this. I'm so, so down for this. Yeah. No. And uh, and the trailer shows as like, you should be. The sh- and the trailer does show like Dale is a CGI chipmunk and Chip is just like a regular degular, like hand drawn cartoon. And you're like, this is wild. But I'm down for the shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. No. I like when like mediums play around. Like this again. If it's the like Who Framed Roger Rabbit was like groundbreaking in terms of like. Mm-hmm. Film style between uh, live action and animation. So yeah, God rest, uh, you know, R.I.P. Bob Hoskins. But that was, I loved that movie as a child. Still love it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think I think that's the end, baby boy. We made it. Yeah. Let's do go ahead I... and wrap this show up. I do not. I don't have it in front of me. Okay. Well, then I I will do the <laughs> honors of uh, of our uh, uh, of ending the podcast today. Uh, so thank you guys for listening to our very straight uh, Nobody Asked Our Opinion episode. Uh, you can send us uh, an email with any and all of your opinions at nobodyaskedouropinion at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok, which we've been putting out content, y'all. Um, you can find us uh, on those platforms at Nobody Asked Our Opinion. Listen to us on YouTube at uh, Nobody Asked Our Opinion Podcast. Follow, uh, you can follow Joanna at Joey Snow 2006 Follow me at Pianoman underscore zero five. And you can follow Jonathan at... Jelly Sound! Uh, show some love to our unpaid intern Natalia at the Third Rule Creative. Uh, leave us a review, subscribe, tell your friends to check us out. We do episodes, you know, weekly? <laughs> we use that term loosely here <laughs> but if you subscribe you'll get notified when we when we drop an episode yep oh. yep 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 okay bye 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 now goodbye bye bye now